everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and this is the discussion for the final episode, the season finale of Season 2 of The Mandalorian, episode titled uh, The Rescue. I've opted to not do a uh, an audio commentary on this one because, uh, one, I feel like this is something that you've, you've just got to experience. Uh, it's it's really that good. It's a great episode. But not only that, as I, I I've watched the episode already, and as I was watching it, I found that my mouth was open, but no words were coming out for a lot of the episode. I was just jaw to the floor. Oh my gosh, the the, the entire time. And so if we did an audio if I did an audio commentary of it, I would just be trying to fill time with with jibber jabber, and I certainly uh, certainly don't want to do that. So uh, like I said. Um, watch the episode, come back and listen to this, um, because so much happens, and, and we will be diving huge into spoilers on this episode. So, that's your last warning. With that in mind, again, pause this episode and come back if you don't want to hear those spoilers, but if you do, or you've seen this episode already, or you don't care, well then, welcome. Here we are. We made it to the last episode, and I... I I, uh, it was worth it. It was a hundred percent worth it. Now there, I, I do have some nitpicks with this episode and we'll get to them when we get to them. But overall this, this season, and, and this will kind of be a recap of the season as well, but this season was just, just awesome. This was a, a cut above season one in so many different ways. I got to see so many of my favorite characters come to life on screen, like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano and Boba Fett. Obviously, Boba Fett was you know already there, but he's back. And also Fennec Shan. I'm so happy that Ming Na Wen got a, a bigger part in this season, especially in this episode as well. And I gotta say, I don't know if I said it in the podcast. I'm almost positive I did. So go back and check my receipts if you don't believe me. But uh, I called this episode exactly as it happened. Um, there are a couple bits that I was sort of off on, but if you guys remember, uh, I said that, um, and I think this was during the, uh, Ahsoka episode, obviously I got some things wrong, but so after the Ahsoka episode, I'm pretty sure the way that I described it was, I said, the season finale is going to be Mando and Boba Fett and all of them, um, and I, and again, that would have been after I watched the Boba Fett episode as well. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, the pieces are falling into place, but I was like, it would be awesome if Boba Fett and them, they all went after Gideon, Bo-Katan included and her crew so that she could get the dark saber back. And then while they're there, the Jedi shows up, whoever that Jedi is. I didn't expect it to be who it was. Um, and I kind of goes because because I was hoping it wasn't going to be who it was, but uh, I called that, and so when it happened, I was so excited. I was like, "Yes, okay, cool." I it's very hard. I, I don't usually predict things, and and who knows? Again, maybe I was off a little bit, but that was super exciting. So we'll we'll break this whole episode down. This again, I loved seeing that it was the rescue. That was amazing, <laughs> uh, because it immediately made me feel safe. Uh, I was a little nervous because I was wondering, okay, you know, are they going to try to pull the rug out from under us in this case um, for, you know, oh, it's the rescue, but, you know, the rescue of what? Maybe, you know, Grogu doesn't make it out, but of course he does. It's Grogu. So they gather their horses, uh, so to speak. They get Bo-Katan and the crew. Uh, and, and again, it's like it, it was the, the it was a very easy thing to see because Bo-Katan ha- needs something from Gideon. They need something from Gideon. It only makes sense that they would all team up. And that was great to see. 
And I even I even liked the part where Bo-Katan was criticizing Boba Fett and calling him a fake, you know, dude. Mandalorian sounds a lot like maybe she's acting like some Star Wars fans out there who didn't think that Boba Fett was uh, a Mandalorian. And again, they kind of proved that in the last uh, episode or whatever episode that was. Um, but there's also been stuff out there of him not being Mandalorian. So it's really cool to see that every person in this show has their own set of baggage that they carry with them. And uh, Mayfield in the last episode did such a good job of pointing that out, especially in that scene uh, when him and Mando are in the car, the car in the the big tread machine. And he's saying like, so you can you take your you can't take your helmet off or you can't let people see your face. What is it like we're all we all have lines that we're willing we're not willing to cross unless it's inconvenient and then we have to do it. And so you, you can see that from every person. I mean, Mando's got his zealot religious ideas when it comes to his helmet and the Mandalorian creed. Bo-Katan has similar ideas and ideals as well as Boba Fett has ones. And they're all essentially Mandalorians. And that's the thing. It's so funny that like the man being a Mandalorian, you don't have to have been born on Mandalore. Like you, you, it's a creed too. And so Boba Fett being, you know, the way that he was, he explained that too, but Bo-Katan doesn't believe him. And then him and, uh, uh, what was her name? Ruby Rose, who uh, the WWE fighter, uh, they have a little fight in the bar, the cantina. That was pretty cool. But again, I'm like, guys, can we just please go get Moff Gideon? We're still not seeing him. I was laughing so hard in that last episode because I'm like, they're making Moff Gideon out to be such a big bad villain, but you never get to see him. He doesn't do anything. And so their plan uh, was very solid. I loved it. Uh, we're going to just infiltrate. We're going to make it look like a diversion. And they did. They pulled it off with a, a, in big part of Slave 1. And I want to call out as well, that scene, and specifically that shot, when they are on whatever planet it is they're on, recruiting Bo-Katan, and it's the shot of Bo's ship, Boba Fett's ship, and the, I think it's like an Imperial cruiser or something like that as well, uh, all three of them, right? There's just there was so much beauty in the cinematography of this episode and of this entire season. I would say honestly, that in the soundtrack were highlights for sure. Soundtrack in this episode was just incredible, especially with the dark troopers. So they get the whole team together. They fly back to uh, the to the ship. And they meet with Moff Gideon and, and plan this whole ploy, which was great. It worked out fantastic. And then they just wreck shop. I mean, that's that's the whole, the long and the short of it. They get in the ship and just start killing everybody, which was great. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, Gideon is nowhere to be found. But of course, he is he's guarding Baby Yoda, Grogu. Um, but then there's a great bit with Mandalorian fighting uh, a dark trooper, which really showed how powerful these dark troopers are. That that thing was just beating the living hell out of him, and that scene was so tough. Uh, so brutal when when the dark trooper was punching him in the face and it wasn't doing anything to his beskar in fact it was smashing the wall behind him through his beskar uh, but he wouldn't give up and then he eventually got him with his spear uh, which was a great lead into his fight with Gideon too about using his beskar to uh, protect himself but getting all of the other dark troopers sent out of the the cruiser was awesome great scene I kind of thought that that was going to be the end of him but uh, them coming back was also not that big of a surprise. So he meets up with Gideon, and Gideon's got his dark saber, and we get the big fight we've been waiting for, which honestly was not that big of a fight. I mean, I was, I was, as I was watching it, I was still more impressed with the Ahsoka magistrate fight from Ahsoka's episode, and the reason I say that is because she did so, the magistrate specifically f- kept up with a Jedi 
with a double-bladed lightsaber or a dual-wielding lightsaber Jedi with that uh, with the the spear. But in this episode, uh, Gideon barely kept up with Mando. I mean, there was a couple of parts where I almost was like, "Uh oh, is Mando on the ropes?" But he never really was, and he ended up knocking it out of his hand. And then you got the classic like, "Oh well, what if we? What if you just let me go?" And it's like you know that never ends up working out. So it just it was it felt like he was falling into all of the same tropes of a villain which again is fine i personally don't care about him at all i love jin carl esposito he did a fantastic job but as an imperial uh moth i don't care about them at all like i i couldn't care less about imperial people they're like the scum they are they are the true scum and villainy of the galaxy and so like any I don't, he would have had to have an amazing backstory like Admiral Thrawn or at least have been as conniving as Admiral Thrawn for him, for me to even consider admiring him as a character just because, to me, he's just another trooper. He's just another guy that's in Mando's way. And that's kind of how it felt in this episode, except that who leaves a gun on the ground for him to grab? So Mando takes him back, and he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You're like, you, you know, you, you would have had, you should have killed me. And it's like, oh, well, you know, we want to take you in just like all the good guys do. He's like, ah, but here's where the problem is. He says... Bo-Katan wants that Darksaber, but the only way to rightfully get the Darksaber is through combat. And Mando's like, no, like, here, take the Darksaber. And she's, like, looking at him all weird, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's kind of strange, because in the Rebels show, uh, Sabine gives the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, and there's no fight with that. Uh, So it's like they were trying to get some sort of tension between the two of them, which... Again, I I'm not here for it. Like they're fr- they're not exactly friends, but I don't need them to be enemies. And and the way that they they built some things up in this episode, I could easily see the next season being about taking back Mandalore. That makes the most sense to me. You've got all of the right characters. You got Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, you got Mando, all of them different creeds having to work together to save the same home planet that they all try to call home i think that's a really fascinating storyline and so to have them be at odds with each other already just doesn't make sense to me and it's like okay well how about like hey bo why don't you punch me in the face right now and then i'll give you this i'll give you this sort will that make you feel better like dude just take the dark saber like the only people here no one's gonna tell no one's gonna tattle we'll kill gideon that's not a big deal i mean he tries to kill himself at one point and then gets knocked out to get taken into custody but that is just another instance of different characters especially Bo struggling with tradition and struggling with the the norms and customs of a culture and it's a really fascinating look into it because you've got a character who wants something so badly but only will take it a certain way and again I don't know how deep they're going to dive into that and why they're making it different than what happened in Rebels I'm not sure and again as long as it doesn't turn into one entire episode of the next season is about them fighting I don't need that like I don't need these video game type episodes again for the third season and, and uh, granted obviously there's going to be a mission in here a mission or two but by the end of this episode we we see the essentially the video game come to a conclusion right we grogu gets to go where he was meant to go and uh so we'll dive into that again if you're here and you haven't watched this episode yet obviously i've spoiled a few things already but there's a big spoiler coming up right now a very 
very big spoiler. And so this is your last, your absolute last chance. Uh, and all I'll say beforehand is if you if you enjoyed Rogue One, you're probably going to enjoy this spoiler a lot. Uh, and that spoiler is Luke Skywalker. So uh, much to my surprise, again, I, I didn't necessarily have a like idea of who it was going to be. Not an idea, but I didn't have a concrete decision on who it was going to be. And I certainly try not to. Like, I don't want to predict the show uh, any more than the fun speculation we do anyway. But like, I wasn't hoping that it was going to be one person over another. I, I didn't care. I was expecting it to be Ezra. Uh, but or Cal Kestis from the Fallen Order games, but now it's like okay, it's it was Luke Skywalker. So, you know they're they're at this point that they've got Moff Gideon, and all of a sudden all the dark troopers fly back to the ship, and there's a lot of them. I was kind of surprised. I was like, wow, there's way more than I thought that there were. And Gideon's like, Mando, you you barely defeated one dark trooper. How are you going to deal with all of these dark troopers? And it's like, okay, valid question, but again, classic video game scenario. But so what happens? But an X-Wing shows up. And I swear, when I was watching, I was like, ooh, the X-Wing. Okay, okay. Like, who could this be? Maybe this is Ezra Bridger. Ezra, Ezra Bridger. But then it's like, come on. There's only one Jedi that's flying around in an X-Wing. And But but I I was in a uh, I was in those stages of grief, the denial stage. And so he gets out, and it's just... The, uh, you see it on the cameras, and it's just a guy in a cloak. And I'm thinking, that could be anybody... And uh, then he gets into the elevator and uh, we see he starts fighting dark troopers and he is just mowing these dark troopers down. It was incredible to witness some of the best lightsaber stuff that I've seen in a while from a character like this. Again, I've seen better lightsaber fights, but for someone like Luke, um, very, I, I would say to quote his father, most impressive, but even then he comes out and I'm like, okay, he's got a green lightsaber. Well, Ezra, Ezra had a green lightsaber for a time. Uh, maybe it was Ezra, and then I see his black glove, and I'm like, okay, well, okay, okay, fine, he only has one black glove, this is probably Luke, but then the big surprise was when he finally defeats every single dark trooper, and then takes his hat off, or his hood off, he is, it's it's the Luke Skywalker from right after Return of the Jedi, so it is a de-aged Luke Skywalker, and I'll say this much, and then this is, I've talked about this before, I... Am a, I'm, I will always be a fan of CGI. I love the idea of being able to create a person or a planet or worlds or stories out of thin air as opposed to having, you know, getting actual people or actual sets. Again, nothing can replace that feeling of, of being on an actual set or, or, you know, using actual props. But it is really cool to be able to use a computer to create a cool lightsaber or a cool creature or a monster or to de-age people. And this is something that I'm really excited to watch this episode with my brother. So, hit, so we we're now uh, as a group with my brother and my cousins. We are um, we're two episodes behind for them. So they they haven't seen the last episode or this new one, obviously. So that'll be exciting to watch them back to back. But I'm really excited to see what my brother thinks because he and I I was in that same boat. He he hated Rogue One. He did not like Rogue One. He most recently tried to rewatch Rogue One before we. We had done a thing, and I, we talked about it in the Rise of Skywalker, but we are, or not, yeah, the the Rise of Skywalker episode. We we watched all of the other movies up up to it, and he was watching Rogue One, and he said that he got so bored of the movie, uh, and I don't remember how far in he was, but he took the movie out and put Annihilation, in which I don't blame him. Annihilation's phenomenal, but that's how much he doesn't like it. I enjoy it. I think it's a good movie. I I don't mind it. I think the cinematography in it is incredible. 
Um, the story itself, to me, is very unnecessary. And again, that is because I am not an OG Star Wars fan. I am a Star Wars fan. So I, any time that Star Wars is an announcing something that has to do with the original trilogy, I'm not a huge fan of it to begin with. It's not that it's unenjoyable. It's that it's unimagined. And so whenever there is a story that's out there that's really creative or interesting or new, that's what I'm going to latch on to more so than what, why we need to dive into one sentence that was in the opening crawl of A New Hope about how they got the plans. I don't care about that at all. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't care about that at all, but there are also a lot of people out there that love that. And for them, awesome. Congratulations, you got your movie. And then you got another movie on top of that when you learned about Han Solo, which was, again, something I don't think any of us needed to know about, but we got it when there are so many other characters in the Star Wars universe we could have focused on, like Darth Maul or Ahsoka or the Emperor. Uh, And again, that's just my two cents. But when we were watching that movie in theaters for the first time, um, we went and saw it uh, opening night, and we sort of knew that there was going to be some de-aging used, and that was only because Carrie Fisher had just passed away after making this uh, movie. And, and my brother and I had always, we it, as a joke, we had said, like, oh, maybe that's because they did the de-aging on Carrie Fisher, and obviously that is not why she passed away. But we had just said, like, why why do you need to do a de-aging on somebody like you're essentially replacing the actor like now that we can de-age somebody we never need to use them ever again we can just have a cgi version of them walking around and and we said well so that's what carrie fisher said was you know oh they don't need me anymore and uh and it kind of felt that way in the movie uh, with Moff Tarkin, again, played by one of my favorite actors from that era. And I think I talked about that for like classic British horror movies of Peter Cushing. And they did the de-aging on him, or they at least did a CGI Peter Cushing. And again, they, along with the Princess Leia, they just, they showed too much. You can pull off de-aging just fine if you give a glimpse and then you know, cut away enough to be able to suspend a person's belief. That's the goal. The goal is not to have the camera on the character for so long that your mind is able to disbelieve it, disbelieve it, to say, no, that's totally CGI. And I got to say that happened again in this episode. And I, I will, I will preface it by saying that the DH Luke Skywalker looked pretty good. He definitely looked better than Princess Leia and Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, but they're still it's still not perfect because it's CGI, and, and your, your mind will always see a little bit of CGI. So when you're focused on Luke and hearing him talk, you can sort of be, I felt like, oh, yeah, okay, this is definitely just like a CGI Luke. And, I've, you know, I don't know the behind the scenes of it. May, I, I, who knows? Maybe Mark Hamill did the voice and the, the work for it, and then they just de-aged him. Cool. Awesome. Whatever it is, I don't mind it. I'm just saying it's it's a bummer that they couldn't have the real person there and again that's because you've made this series like 40 years ago so again you know let's move on but it was it was nonetheless awesome to see him come in take his hood off look at grogu and you know mando knows what's about to happen and he's like are you the a jedi and he says i am and it, it again seeing luke fight that way that's the best fight that i've seen luke have in the entire Star Wars saga, the closest thing that even comes to that 
is the fight in Last Jedi, but that was not even him. That was him as a, a force projection. So uh, this is the coolest fight from Luke Skywalker. Again, everything in the OG trilogy, I don't, I don't see as cool fights because they're they're very old fights. And it's it's again, I'm sorry for some of those older fans who, uh, you know, that's their bread and butter. That's what they grew up on. For them, though, I would think now you're probably living in a time where you're going, holy crap, look at how cool these fights are now. Like, I would hope that even an OG Star Wars fan knows that the fights in Star Wars aren't that good. And I'm specifically talking about the lightsaber fights. They're just, they're, I mean, you you can't, come on. There's, there's nothing you can say about that that uh, fight between Luke, or between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. And then you compare that to Darth Vader's scene in Rogue One. Like, how does that happen? How does how does Darth Vader look like an absolute badass in Rogue One, but then when he's fighting Obi-Wan Kenobi, he looks like a scared man with a stick? And uh, and that's how kind of all the fights look. And I, each movie, they get a little bit better, right? Like Luke's fight with Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back was cool. But again, just this, uh, him cutting through Dark Troopers was amazing. And it really showed how far he's come as a Jedi. So... Um, he re- Mando realizes he's looking at him. He's like, you know, Grogu, get over there. And he says, why are you going to take him or whatever? And Luke's like, well, no, he's waiting for your permission. And I was like, oh, okay, Mando, here's your moment. And so he picks up Grogu and has a really sweet little talk with him. And then right before he's going to say goodbye, he takes his helmet off. And uh, that's kind of what we've been shooting for for this entire series. Obviously, he's taken it off a couple times before, but now he's taken his helmet off in front of essentially all of his friends and family, including his son. And the look that Pedro Pascal has on that on on his face, Grogu putting his arm up and and putting it on, uh, you know, Mando's cheek. It just it was so powerful, and I, I actually got choked up when I was watching it. And I'm thinking to myself like. How how am I getting choked up in a scene between a man in a mask, like a man who looks like a robot, sort of, holding an animatronic thing, and just the fact that he takes his helmet off is eliciting emotion in me. Like, that is how good this episode and this series and Star Wars in general is. That right there is George Lucas magic. That's that's what I would call it, is that, that ability for, again, for you to suspend your belief in such a way that you don't notice that a tiny little green animatronic creature is like appreciating a man taking his mask off like it's just it's so powerful and then as so they leave and and well an r2d2 shows up as well and that was great r2d2 looks like he loves grogu so he's he's our uh, the uh, the proxy for the audience watching like he got really excited hanging out with grogu and so they uh they leave. Um, Yo, uh, Luke takes Grogu and R2, and they both leave. They head out, and that's the end of the episode and the end of the season. So we're in a really interesting place going forward. I Again, I have a lot of thoughts on where the show goes, and I, I'll talk about them here in a sec, but I didn't realize uh, until just a little later that there was an after credit scene in this episode. Uh, so at the very end of the episode, as it plays out, we're back on Tatooine at Jabba's palace. And it looks like, again, after Return of the Jedi, so Jabba's dead, but uh, Bib Fortuna is now in charge, and he's a lot bigger. He's a big boy. And that's because he's the king now. He's been eating good. And he, uh, he's he got some lackeys, all this stuff, but all of a sudden we start hearing gunshots. 
and Fennec Shan shows up and is shooting everybody. She kills almost everybody, but then Boba Fett walks in. And Bib, Bib's like, oh, Boba, oh, I missed you, blah, 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 blah. And Boba just shoots him in the face, and he dies. So everyone is dead. They killed everybody. Boba sits down on the throne, and Fennec stands next to him. And again, one of the coolest shots that I would say is kind of reminiscent to the Darth Maul shot in uh, the last season of, of Clone Wars, where he's sitting on the Mandalorian throne. Uh, just a very badass shot. And so it goes to black, and it says, The Book of Boba Fett. December of 2021. So there's going to be another series coming. And, and you know, we don't know a lot. All we know is that, that it's that. I don't know if that means it's part of the third season of The Mandalorian or if that's a brand new show. I would guess it's a brand new show just because it's premiering in December versus, you know, Mando's typically premiering at the end of October. But wow, what a cool little Easter egg for us. And that's just one more thing about Star Wars for us to look forward to. So speaking of looking forward, the uh, my thoughts on where things could go and now that we know we have a we have a rangers of the new republic we have an ahsoka series a boba fett series and the mandalorian series and uh, kathleen kennedy did say in the announcement that um she said that they're all going to coincide right like essentially like the defenders there's going to be all these different uh series and they're all going to combine into one big battle my money is on that battle being with admiral thrawn or, or with, yeah, honestly, I th- that's my bet. If we're going to be putting bets out, I bet that's that. The Ahsoka series is going to be her looking for Thrawn and find maybe her finding Ezra as well. The I bet the Rangers of the New Republic series, which will be with like Cara Dune and um, who, who knows who else, but I bet you they're going to be finding clues about it. Like, okay, we've got, they're going to be handling Moff Gideon because she arrested Moff Gideon so that he will probably be in that show. And then the Mandalorian season, that will be about Mando and Bo-Katan taking back Mandalore. That's my bet, based off of what they said. I think I think after everything that's happened in this season with Mando learning that there's other types of, of beliefs out there, him being so willing to take his helmet off now, I think he's starting to come around and he wants to become a part of this. He wants to be he wants to have family and he wants to have a people because he was a foundling. And so I bet that's what it's going to be about Boba Fett. Who knows? That's going to be like him working with other bounty hunters and, you know, doing who knows what. And so then maybe they all tag team to fight Admiral Thrawn. That would be so cool. Can you imagine on screen seeing Ahsoka, Ezra, good Lord, Ahsoka, Ezra, Luke, um, Grogu, maybe after he's been trained a little bit, Mando, Bo-Katan, Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, Cara Dune, all of them fighting against Thrawn and his armies. Uh, that would be so cool. That would be awesome. But again, that's all That's all future forward guessing. We don't know for sure, but that's the fun part about the future is we can talk about it, we can predict it, we can have fun with it. But just remember, we always, we're going to get what we get no matter what. We, we have no control over what Disney is making, only that we can watch the things that we like and let them know about the things we don't like. And right now, clearly everyone is loving Star Wars, including myself. Also a huge shout out to uh, Peyton Reed for directing this episode. I was very surprised to see that he did it, but it makes sense because he did a lot of de-aging work in the Ant-Man movies with, uh, um, uh, what were their names? Well, uh, Scott, not Scott Lang, but um, man, I'm blanking on that. It's I'm looking at him right in his head. His father is 103 years old, Michael Douglas. And uh, yeah, Father Kirk Douglas, but Michael Douglas and um, 
Michelle Pfeiffer, the de-aging for both of those in the in the movie was great. And so I, I, I again, I didn't have a huge problem with it. But if they're at the point of thinking that we are not going to notice it, I'm still going to notice it. Like I still am noticing that it's de-aging techniques. So try a little harder, work a little harder on it. Or like I said, don't show as much. Show little bits and pieces of it. Like I thought that I thought when they did it in Rise of Skywalker, that was really good. We barely got to see Luke and Leia's faces, and then we did for a brief, brief minute, and then it passed away, and so you didn't really have enough time to kind of process it. So I thought that was good. Um, But yeah, again, just an amazing season, a phenomenal season of TV, especially for only being eight episodes and for a lot of those episodes being pretty short. So I'm so grateful that we got this. I'm so grateful that everyone got to listen along with me in all the episodes that I did audio commentaries for. I'm really excited to to talk about all of these new Star Wars shows in the future. So with that said, we will wrap up this episode. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. You can find me on Twitter at a robot's wink or on Instagram at a robot's wink. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you.